0: I see that video every time I get a little uh, choked up, a little moved, because it brings back all the memories from everything we've been through uh, since March, and all the trauma and all the fear, um, everything that we faced, and uh, it's good to remember all that stuff, but not just to wallow in it. It's good to remember it because we see what God has brought us through, and we are starting to emerge from this season of darkness, and uh, we, we see the light coming, and, and so uh, we're walking toward it. I'm so grateful that all of y'all are here um, joining us online, wherever you're joining us from. I hope you'll leave us a comment in the comment section and let us know where you are watching from today. That means uh, the world to us, that you're connecting with the story, wherever you happen to be this morning. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at The Story. And uh, we are back not only online today, but also in person. Uh, We have a handful of early birds here this morning. Uh, What we decided to do this week, sort of on a whim based on the reaction and the response we were getting from opening up our services to in-person worship, we decided to open up our earliest service as well. Uh, at first, we were just like, let's just do the 11 o'clock. Who knows how many will come? And then it filled up, and the 945 filled up. And so we said, hey, if somebody wants to be here that bad at 8.30 in the morning, they can come without even free registering. So that's the rule for now, and we'll see how long this lasts. But if you want to worship in person, if you feel ready, and you're not in one of those high risk categories uh, for COVID-19, I I would encourage you to check out one of these services if you're in town. It's really cool to be here in person with all of y'all. Thank you for joining us. So even as we look back with gratitude in 2020 and for all that God has done, we're looking ahead to an even greater year in 2021. We really believe that God has some God-sized plans for us. And we're walking faithfully toward it instead of cowering in fear. And so it's a time of uncertainty, I know, for all of us, including for those of us planning for the church's year in 2021. But God's about to do something even greater than what we've seen. 2021 is going to be our first Full year, functioning as one church in two locations, here at River Oaks, but also in Timber Grove. That building is almost ready. We'll be opening it soon. We're also going to have a third campus in 2021, thanks to what COVID-19 has taught us. We needed all along, an online campus. And it took a pandemic to show us how much we needed an online campus. That's not just a worship experience that's tangential. In 2021, we're going to see the online campus of the Story Church formalized and materialized so that you can be a part of this church fully even if uh, you live somewhere other than Houston or can't join us in person. We're gonna see the expansion of our ministries with young people. We have so many kids and so many students that are ready to follow Jesus and love him with all their hearts. And so we're gonna make that even more possible than we have before. We're gonna see some game changers, some real game-changing initiatives, like the stories ministry with, uh, for adoption and foster care that's gonna take root in 2021. That's gonna be a generational shift. Here at the story and in the lives of all those uh, that, that that ministry touches. And so let's get ready. It's going to be a huge year. As you know, we are uh, this month getting ready for that year by uh, getting our pledges in and letting our financial commitments be known. I hope you've been praying about that. This is the month to do that. And I know that uh, this isn't uh, a very comfortable time financially for everyone as we look ahead. I know that there might be some stress around making a major financial commitment at a time when the economy's bad or, or people are living in fear. And I just want to say two things to that. First of all, I do get it. But I want to take the pressure off of you. I hope you'll take a deep breath and relax and just know that, that it's not all up to you. And if you're not able to make the commitment that you would like to make, or if you're not able to match the commitment that you made in the past, hey, breathe and pray and make the most faithful. A commitment to God that you can. It's not all up to you. We're all in this together, and this vision will only be fully realized if the whole community pulls together. And the second thing I wanna say is just, hey, as we often say the story, we don't give to God in order to get something from God. Your commitment, your contribution, it's not gonna buy you more forgiveness or buy your way to heaven. Jesus has already accomplished all of that. And so we don't give out of a sense of fear or obligation. We give out of a heart full of joy for what God has already done for us through Jesus Christ. So thank you in advance for getting those 2021 commitment cards in. You can do that through the mail or some of the information to do that online or by text is being displayed right now on your screens or uh, here in the room. So thank you so much for your partnership and fellowship in the gospel. All right, we're uh, in week two now of this series called Elect Jesus. It is an election year. Did y'all know that? You got wind of that? Three weeks out about from the election. I'm counting the, the days until we are finally through <laughs> with this election cycle. It has been brutal, and the next three weeks are gonna be brutal. But sort of as a response to the political upheaval we're experiencing right now, we wanted to look at what might be called the platform of Jesus. And we, um, as a way of sort of being playful about it, our worship team designed these, uh, or had these designed, these yard signs with Jesus's slogans uh, from his political platform on them. Now, to be clear, Jesus was not, is not a politician, if he's a politician, he's not a very good one. I promise you, Jesus would not get elected to any office in 2020 in America as a Democrat or as a Republican. I promise. But that's not to say he was some kind of a centrist as he walked the earth either. Jesus' politics, uh, if you want to call him that, uh, were not milk toast sort of middle of the road. In some cases, he's further left than the left. In other issues, he's further right than the right. Jesus is neither left nor right. Jesus is just extra. He is just different, all right? He transcends our politics. And so what we want to talk about in this series is that even though you might not be able to elect him as your president, you can still have him as your king, no matter who's president. And we believe that's good news. So last week we talked about uh, this one, repent, uh, And that was, uh, that was fun. And this week we're moving on To this one, do not fear. One of Jesus's favorite quotes, one of his favorite phrases: "Do not fear." Now uh, we're going to talk about this because fear is a problem for all of us, even the tough guys in the room that are like, "I'm not afraid of anything." Yes, you are. You wouldn't be saying, "I'm not afraid of anything," if you weren't terribly afraid of something. (laughs) So we all deal with fear, okay? And you've heard me say this before, but it's important. So I'll say it again: Fear is the most oft-repeated phrase in Scripture. In the whole Bible, there's no command or statute of God that appears more often or even close to as often as do not fear or phrases like it. Do not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Uh, You know, have no fear. Those fear not. That kind of stuff, that appears 365 different times in the Bible. That Might be a coincidence. I don't know. The more I'm with God, the less I believe in coincidences. But it seems like for every day of the year, there is a Bible verse about fear. Warning us about fear. Do not be afraid. I think that's fascinating that that it's so important to God that we not fear, all right? So way more than any of these so-called deadly sins lust and greed and gluttony and all those other ones. The Bible warns us far more about fear. And that, when you think about it, I think it makes sense. Because when you start to take account of how much fear you're carrying around with you every day, like that adds up quick. How much fear the average person is carrying around? I just want you to visualize fear with me um, just in terms of layers, all right? So think about the superficial layer of fear. And the things that most of us are afraid of on some level, right? So most of us are afraid of, you know, public speaking. I was like, I was sucking wind back there right before I came out here, because even after all these years, I still get super nervous about public speaking. It's one of the most common fears, right? And, And so most of us are afraid of pain.
1: Snakes. Or spiders, birds, in my case, if you remember. I have a problem with birds. People are afraid of large crowds. Pastors are afraid of small crowds. <laughs> um, that's just what happens. You'll get to some of the fears we try to hide, like our fear of Aging, for example, we try to
0: hide that, but we're not very good at it. The more we try to hide it, the more obvious it is that we're afraid of it. Our fear of disease, a diagnosis like cancer, Parkinson's, or Alzheimer's. Our fear of missing out. Our fear of falling behind. These are our more deep-seated fears. You peel back another layer of fear and you get to the real stuff. The deeper fears that we all
1: have, right? So our fear of intimacy, betrayal, failure, infertility, our
0: fear of death, our fear of loneliness, our fear of losing a loved one, like that stuff gets you depressed real quick because we all have those fears and most of us carry those fears around with us unchecked. Every day. And it's a heavy burden. And most of us think that's just how life works. But Jesus warned us to not carry that burden around with us. Jesus told us He came to set us free from the fear. And He told us not to be afraid 365 times in Scripture. And the question is why? Why is this such an important issue for Jesus? Why is it so important for God that we not be afraid? With the rest of our time today, I'll I'll unpack this in three different ways. I think there are three important ways that that we can think about God's warnings to us about fear. So the first thing that fear does to us is fear reduces us, okay? Fear reduces you. This is one reason why Jesus wanted his followers to be fearless, okay? So fear (laughs) physically turns you into someone you're not, a lesser form of yourself, When you're afraid, you are a reduced form of who you really are because fear forces you to rely on your own strength instead of trusting in the power of God that is within you. One night, uh, Jesus, this is in Mark chapter four, he's hanging out with his disciples and they're about to go to bed. And Jesus is like, I think I want to go to the other side of the sea. And they're like, really at this hour? But he's Jesus. So you got to do it. And so they load up some boats and they head across the Sea of Galilee. And as they do, Jesus falls asleep on a cushion in the stern of the boat, one of the boats, and some storms, some angry, furious storms come in and uh, tossed these waves and the boats are almost capsizing because the waves are crashing and the water is coming in and the disciples were freaking out. They were losing their minds. Even though they were with Jesus, they were terrified. Some of you can relate to that. Even though you've been with Jesus, fear has overcome you. fear wasn't just affecting the disciples psychologically or spiritually. It's a physical reality. It always is. Modern science has opened this up to us, y'all. It's showed us what fear actually physically does to us. So as soon as your brain perceives fear, there's a small organ in the middle of your brain called the amygdala that kicks into overdrive by alerting your nervous system and, and kicking your fear response into motion. Cortisol and adrenaline, two of the uh, body's uh, fear response hormones are released and these hormones cause your eyes to dilate and they cause your heart to palpitate a little bit and and they, uh, they increase your blood flow to your muscle groups in your limbs. And this is exactly what's supposed to happen, historically speaking, right? So for most of human history, The fear response happened whenever there was a real and physical threat to our physical well-being. So if a bear chased you through the woods, you needed to run a little faster and jump a little higher. you needed more blood in those leg muscles. Or if a neighboring tribe was coming to pillage your tribe, you need a little more muscle in your arms to be able to throw better punches. And that's how the body was conditioned to respond to fear. But just like any system, just like any body, your body has a limited finite amount of resources And when your body funnels resources to your limbs and your muscle groups, it comes at the expense of other functions. And one thing that um, neuroscientists are, are showing us about fear is that that flow of blood, that response, comes at the expense of your cerebral cortex. And I don't know how many of you remember ninth grade biology class. But the cerebral cortex is the part of your brain that is responsible for reasoning, rational thought, and uh, uh, coming up with good decisions. So whenever you're afraid, you're literally not thinking straight. When you're afraid, you are a fraction of your usual rational self. You will not make your best decisions when fear comes over you. And how many of you know this? You've seen it in other people or you've seen it in yourself or you've seen it in who everybody else is voting for. They're so afraid they're not even thinking straight. Well, it happens to you too. It happens to all of us. I mean, how many of you have ever gone to one of those haunted houses and you know it's not real? But when that actor dressed like a dead pirate jumps out you scream, right? Like, like a school child, right? You scream. Even though you know it's not real, the fear response is heightened inside of you. How many of you have ever settled for a bad relationship or a one-night stand maybe because you were afraid of being alone? How many of you have ever watched like a Discovery Channel documentary about spiders and then you felt that little thing in your neck and you knew it wasn't a spider? It definitely wasn't one of those trance things you've been watching. But the whelp you left on your neck by slapping yourself was far worse than any spider bite ever could be. That's what the fear response does. It leads us to respond irrationally, impetuously, and impulsively. That's exactly uh, how fear works in everyday life. It's a process that neuroscientists call potentiation. Whenever you're already afraid, your response to new fearful stimulus will be worse. That's why, whenever you're already afraid of flying, a little bit of turbulence will turn you into, you know, a screaming toddler. <laughs> whenever you're already afraid of something, new fears will make it even worse. No, as the disciples frantically scoop that water out of the boat to try and save themselves, they they go to Jesus, who's sleeping, taking a nap through the storm, and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? And this is what he said. He rebuked the storm, the winds died down. And in Mark 4, 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Notice here what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say that storm you're afraid of, it's not even real not even real. There is no storm. Jesus never said there's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, Jesus knew very well there's plenty to be afraid of, but he said it in spite of the storm, do not be afraid. In spite of the storm, just believe. So for Jesus, it wasn't just about the fear stimulus and the fear response. For Jesus, it's about fear or faith. And for followers of Jesus, the only response to fear stimulus should be faith. So fearlessness for us doesn't come from improved circumstances. It doesn't just come from the end of the storm. Fearlessness from, for us comes from faith because the world is a scary place. Fear will be a natural response for you. Jesus knew this. He said in John sixteen thirty three, in this world, you may have trouble, but take heart I have overcome the world. And so the question for us is do we trust that
1: or not? If we give in to our fears, we'll be reduced to something less than who we really are created to be.
0: The second reason fear is so important is that fear will enslave you. Fear will enslave you. Fear reveals your truest master. Think about all the powerful forces in this world that want you to be afraid, that benefit from your fear. Think about everybody, powers that be, that that want to keep you in that place of fear. So obviously the news media wants, when you're you're scared, you watch more news. You know that, right? So they're gonna show you, that's why one of their mottos is, if it bleeds, it leads. They, They want you to be constantly in fear. It keeps you watching. Social media, the same way. I just watched this Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma. I'm terrified of Facebook now. I'm not sure if Facebook wants me to be terrified of Facebook. Facebook wants me to be terrified. It keeps me scrolling. It keeps me watching. Right? So this is true of politicians. You could say this is true of many religious leaders. If we're honest here today, we can benefit from people's fear. Advertisers want you to be afraid. I heard three consecutive ads on the radio this week that asked three horrifying questions. And the first question was, do you know what's in your family's drinking water? I just got to thinking, I, I thought it was just water, but tell me, <laughs> H2O, what else? Oh my gosh. The second one was, do you know what's in your kid's cereal? <laughs> I don't know, marshmallows, I don't know, tell me. And the third one was something like, you know that most men your age have the testosterone levels of a nine-year-old girl? <laughs> like, do you know most women your wife's age want a real man in her life? <laughs> it's, the, it's the craziest thing, how these ads can raise doubts in us and raise fear in us, us listening, keep us buying, make us a captive
1: audience. That's the way the world works. Fear enslaves,
0: but Jesus came to set us free. Fear enslaves, but Jesus sets us free. Think about all the added fears of 2020 we're supposed to be afraid of, right? The second wave is coming. We're told the second wave, be afraid. The second wave of COVID-19, be very afraid. The job losses that are on the way, this economic crisis is only going to get worse in the absence of a stimulus, be afraid. Hurricanes and hurricanes and more hurricanes are coming and they're bringing murder hornets with them, be afraid. We're told to be afraid of socialism and Marxism and fascism and white supremacy. Be afraid. We're all afraid of our kids turning into, like, weirdos because they haven't been around other kids for almost a year. Be afraid of what you're doing to your kids. Be afraid of the Chinese government. Be afraid of the Russian government. Afraid of the American government. Just be afraid. Be afraid of this election and who's going to be in the
1: White House. Be afraid.
0: They want us afraid because fear enslaves. Fear enslaves, but Jesus sets us free. That's why he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. And that's why his best friend, John, a few years after that said, for In John, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Fear enslaves, but the love of God in Jesus. That's what sets you free. And that gets us to the third reason why fear is such an important Warning um, for God. It's an important thing to remind us about. 365 times in the Bible, it's because fear
1: condemns you. Love does not. But fear always does. We've always said that
0: salvation is not a matter of doing all the right stuff. We've always said that salvation comes by faith alone. You've heard me say this, right? Right? We rarely look at the other side of that coin, though. The ugly other side of that same coin is that if salvation comes by faith alone, then condemnation comes through lack of faith. Lack of faith. That is where we find ourselves condemned. And fear is the presenting symptom of faithlessness. So fear will make you think that God is out to get you, Fear will make you think you're not good enough. Fear will make you think God wants to settle the score with you. But Jesus has already done all of that. Jesus has already paid every penalty, every price, every debt, for everything you've ever done or ever will do. Jesus has done that. And so to believe that is to be saved. It is to be known by God. It is to belong to God but to choose not to believe that and to choose to continue to be afraid of the consequences of unpaid debt is to live in this faithless place where condemnation reigns supreme. Fear condemns you, but Jesus is our proof of who God really is. This is what he said in Matthew 10, 28 to 31. Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's talking about God there, not Satan, but hang in there with me. Hang in there with Jesus because he's not done. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. People would buy, poor people would buy sparrows in the marketplace. There was the cheapest meat you could buy for your family. There was the cheapest sacrifice you could offer at the temple. And what Jesus is saying here is like, look guys, if you're going to be afraid of something, at least be afraid of something fearsome. And nothing in this world is as fearsome as God who holds the power to destroy both body and soul in hell. If he wants to. Nothing on earth is as fearsome as that. If you're going to be afraid of something, at least make it worth it. At least fear something real. But then he flips the script at the end. Then he goes on to reveal the true heart of God. This God cares for you. This God knows every sparrow in the sky. This God knows every hair on your head, Jesus said.
1: So don't be afraid. Don't let your fears condemn you. What are you afraid of right now? What scares you most?
0: What storms have rolled in, and kicked up the waves
1: around the boat of your life, threatening to capsize you? What keeps you up at night? And now I'll ask you a real question. Are the storms that scare you? bigger than God? Obviously not. No storm on God's green earth can be bigger than God, unless
0: what you fear is God himself. And this is a common fear among churches, among Christians, because some of us have a past, And some of us have been selfish in our past. Some of us have indulged in stuff we know we shouldn't have with little regard for the will of God. Some of us have made mistakes, hurt people left a wake of destruction in our path. It, It scares us to think what a just and righteous God will have to say about us. And whenever that's where your head's at, whenever you come to know God a little bit, like some of y'all probably have, or some of you watching online probably have come to know God a little bit, the fear can increase instead of decrease because you learn to know him before you learn to love him. Some of you know him a little, but you don't love him yet. Because if you loved him, you wouldn't fear his condemnation. If you loved him, you wouldn't do church out of obligation if you loved him, you wouldn't worship him for fear of being sent to hell. You would worship him because you can't wait to be in his real full presence in heaven. And worship is just a a precursor to that, a foretaste of that. Fear and love are incompatible. The fear response and the love response are opposites. Think with me about how you respond to the invitation of God through Jesus Christ. Think with me. Imagine Imagine a young man who uh, gets permission to take his father's car out for a spin and he takes his father's car and he's reckless with it and he is uh, just, he doesn't care. He's careless, right? He's just driving like a madman and then he plants dad's car in a ditch and imagine that young man stumbling away from the crash scene, maybe limping because he's hurt but not even thinking about his own leg. He looks back at the car that he wrecked and he goes, oh my God, I messed up. My dad's gonna kill me he starts to think about ways of never having to face his father and maybe getting around this, blaming someone else, running from his past. Imagine that same young man getting permission from his father to drive his car for a while and he goes out and he's careless and he's reckless and he plants dad's car in a ditch and he stumbles away from the crash site and he limps because he's hurt, but he's, he's not even thinking about his leg
1: because he looks back at his dad's car and he goes, oh my God, I screwed up. I need to call my dad. The first response, my dad's going to kill me, might describe the
0: relationship you have with your father in heaven right now. The second
1: response describes the relationship your father in heaven wants with you. Not driven by fear, manipulation, or condemnation. Driven by love and freedom. This is the kind of relationship he created
0: you to have with him. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us as we take some next steps towards you. Some of us feel like we've known you a little, but we haven't learned to love you yet. We haven't fallen in love with you yet. Father, I pray that right now, someone sitting at home or sitting in this room right now just says the three words, I love you. Father, I love you. When the storms of life come around, when I'm in trouble, when I'm lost, I don't wanna be afraid of you. I don't wanna be afraid of you finding me out. I just wanna call on you and know that you're there. We Thank you, Father, for all of your love. And
1: we pray in Jesus' name, amen.